All right, tonight I've asked you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13 on purpose. It says, watch ye stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. I have to go to a preacher's fellowship tomorrow night in Seneca Falls, New York, and then Tuesday morning, Independent Baptist Preacher's Fellowship, uh, moderated by uh, Brother Tom Stiles, who will happen to be here next Sunday night. Amen. And he assigned me the last two words in this verse, be strong. So each preacher Tuesday morning is going to take one of these phrases and preach on it to the preachers. And... um, I I will be the last speaker Tuesday morning before lunch. If you could pray for me, as always, I sure do appreciate that and sense people are praying for me. But I do want to speak on the subject tonight, be strong. I'm going to practice on you, and if it flops, I'll rewrite it tomorrow and try to do something better for the preachers Tuesday morning. I don't know. i got to do something. (laughs) So, uh, So this is a little bit flavored towards preachers, but I'm going to try to bring it down to our level. I want to show you three things. Tonight, but the title that I'm going to bring uh, to them and tonight is on this, Be Strong, But How? Be Strong, But How? I mean, it's easy to say be strong. God tells us uh, that there's actually over 20 charges if you go through your concordance where, where God said to someone, be strong, be strong, be strong, be strong, be strong. And about ten times he said, be strong and of good courage. And twice he said, be strong and very courageous. Wow. And, uh, you know, uh, and if he said that to you and I, we ought to just be obedient, be strong. I mean, well, someday we got to just decide, I'm going to be strong. I'm, I'm tired of being a wimp. Uh, back when I was a little boy, we had a little hero called Charles Atlas. Jim's laughing over there, nodding his head. Uh, those of you that grew up remember Charles Atlas. How many of you remember Charles Atlas? All right. He was a 90, what, five pound weakling or something. Remember that? And uh, he was on the beach one day and some muscle guy came and kicked sand in his face. And uh, he finally made a decision that day. That's it. I'm not taking this anymore. And he became really one of the most, uh, one of the probably original bodybuilders in our country. Now it's gone crazy with uh, uh, that, but uh, he was really one of the first uh, bodybuilders. He was Charles Atlas, and then, you know, later on he met the same guy. I guess, I don't know, he punched him out or whatever. I don't, I don't know, but um, there just came a time in his life, if you remember that, where he was uh, pathetic. Uh, true story. And he began to eat the right things and take in protein and lift weights and all kinds of stuff, and then Charles Atlas uh, that was his name, literally, that was his name. You probably can Google it. I remember there was this real big, heavy, um, I don't mean to be unkind, but a real big, heavy, fat guy uh, who was uh, like over 300 pounds in high school. And everybody mocked him out. He was just big and slow and, and heavy, overweight, and everybody mocked him out And uh, in school. And finally, one day, something clicked inside him, and he said, that's it, I've had it. I'm fed up with being big and overweight, and he started exercising and lifting weights and, and so on. And to make a long story short, Bruce Smith became one of the greatest football players to ever play the game for the Buffalo Bills, still holds the record for sacks of a quarterback. But when he was in high school, he, he flipped a switch inside of his mind, and he said, I'm not going to be like this anymore. 
I am not going to be like that. Now, those are examples from the world in the physical realm. But the same is true, and I know it happened in my life and in some of you in your life where we were weak and uh, uh, vulnerable Christians, always defeated, and we just flipped the switch one day and said, that is it. I am not going to be a weak Christian anymore. I've had it. And uh, sometimes it takes that resolve to make a decision, but then you've got to find out how then can I become stronger spiritually? Spiritually. And that, that's what's really important because Paul told Timothy, godly exercise profited little. It has very little to do with real life. Uh, physical uh, bodily exercise, rather. Bodily exercise profited little, but godliness profiteth in all things. Every realm you can think of, godliness will, will profit a person if they can uh, uh, become godly. But how do you do it? How do you do it? I didn't know. I was very frustrated. I've given my testimony many times. I just, I just want to use it as a teaching tool, uh, not to, to you know, glorify anything, but I got saved in 1969. And uh, by, by the time I was, uh, in, and I was 12 years of age, and I really tried living the Christian life. But there's a question in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 3. It says, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? And I went right from beginning in the Spirit, which means being born again. You must be born of the Spirit into the family of God. That's your salvation day. And, and that's all a work of the Holy Spirit to going right into the flesh. Before, before you're saved, you're in the flesh and you're trying to do things to please God. At least some people are. And it's all the flesh, and, and they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Um, the Scripture says, and then when you get saved, a lot of people go right back. Well, I've got to go back to trying real hard. And please God, if I do this and this and this and this and this, and that was my lot. And I was doing some good things, amazing things in the area of soul winning and seeing some prayers answered. And, and uh, you know, especially the thing about leading people to Christ, I found out later that was the power of the gospel, not me. The power of the Holy Spirit just using my voice uh, to lead so many of my friends to Christ in high school. But I finally just plunged and fell and, and, uh, and, and got into a season of, of being backslidden and carnal for years. When I came back to the Lord at a missions conference of all places, gave my life to the Lord, I just threw myself at the throne of God in frustration and said, God, I have tried the Christian life. I've tried harder than most people. I, I must be missing something. I must be missing something. I did not have the strength uh, to be the Christian God wanted me to be. And you've, many of you have heard that testimony for years. And I just say that hopefully to help somebody who's listening who might be going through the same frustration time or might be backslidden. Maybe someone's backslidden or carnal uh, today who's listening to this. And who says, uh, you know, that's how it has been for me. I was saved, but I can't do what God asked me to do. Uh, boy, if the, the Lord always spoke the truth, but when he said the flesh is weak, wow. Boy, did he, uh, he nail the, uh, the, uh, that nail on the head. And he said in Mark fourteen thirty eight, watch ye and pray for the flesh is weak. But the spirit is willing and, and the flesh is weak. And, and we're, we're, we can be very good at hiding it. We can be very good at hiding that fact that the flesh is weak and know how to dress, how to act, when to say amen, hallelujah, praise the Lord, when to sing and when to put our tithe in the offering and really look great on the outside. 
but the inside is, is struggling. I am so thankful for the brutal honesty of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7. If you've ever read Romans chapter number 7, especially verses uh, 18 through 24, you'll see uh, Paul's just absolute frustration with himself. I am so glad that's in the Bible. I'm so glad that he went through that after that amazing uh, meeting with Christ on the road to Damascus and his glorious conversion by the words of Ananias and his baptism and his sight being restored and letting them down by the basket and all that went on to be the missionary, the great missionary that he was and church planner and all that stuff we know about. But he was also brutally honest uh, about his his struggles somewhere along the line in his walk as a believer. And he outlined those in Romans 7, basically said, all the things I know I should do, I don't do. All the things I know I should not do, those I do. And it doesn't seem like I have any chance of uh, ever changing. But he concluded the chapter by saying, but thanks be unto God which giveth us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then he goes into Romans 8, the next chapter, and he talks about his wonderful experiences with the Holy Spirit. With the Holy Spirit. And this is just something that, I don't know why, but so many believers just resist any kind of teaching on the Holy Spirit. And uh, to our detriment. Um, But uh, we need the Holy Spirit. So, It tells us in our text here, be strong, be strong. And you'll see that admonition over and over by by God in the Bible. Be strong, be strong, be strong and very courageous. But it begs the question, but how? How? And so I want to give you uh, three things uh, here in the scriptures. And if you'll turn again tonight to Ephesians chapter number 6, And verse number 10, a verse we read this morning just briefly. Uh, The Bible has the answer. Be strong. Uh, Be strong. But how? But how? Number one, I want you to notice, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. That's what it says in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Uh, not in the flesh, you got to be strong in the Lord. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. we got to be in the power of His might. Um, you know, uh, some people are character people. I've said this before. Some people have a lot of discipline and they can go a long ways in that their personal character and their discipline doing the right things mechanically. But that doesn't mean they're having a powerful life that is influential on others. It doesn't mean they're having a powerful prayer life uh, that's effectual uh, or a powerful, uh, fruitful life that's, that's bearing fruit for the Lord that lasts. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. What is the power of His might? Well, turn back to chapter 3, Ephesians 3, verse 16. The Bible is the best interpreter of the Bible. 
And Ephesians 3.16 says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might. Here's the answer. By his spirit in the inner man. Now where you see the capital S there, it's talking about the Holy Spirit. Now these truths are truths, these three truths tonight that I've taught many, many times in this church, tried to practice. They're just a compilation of some things you've already heard. But whenever I preach out, it's usually I take some truth you've already heard and, and, and teach it to them too, and uh, I hope this will help. Um, and uh, Brother Stiles said, I want you to preach on this phrase right here. And so, well, I have learned some things about victory. I have found some sources of strength that have kept me upright vertically, uh, spiritually for 40-something years now. Uh, and has kept me from falling, and this is it. This is it when it says, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. We find that He strengthens us with power, with might, by His Spirit in the inner man. So this is not you or I trying to pull up ourselves by the bootstraps each day and saying, Well, I fell today, I failed today again, I'll just confess it, and tomorrow I'll try harder. No, that's not what it, you're missing the whole thing. Uh, some can last for so, so long doing that, but it has got to be the power of the Holy Spirit. We are strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man, not by trying harder. And it comes down to you and I having a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit, and then that strengthens us with might on the inner man. He makes us strong from the inside out. Turn to Luke chapter number 24 in verse 49. The last thing Jesus said to his disciples before he ascended into heaven was this, And behold, I I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem, until ye be endued with power from on high. And boy, this is just, for some reason, this simple truth is kept from the church today. It was kept from the church I was saved in. Somebody should have taken me the day after I was saved and said, now, Brother Art, let me introduce you to the Holy Spirit. You've met Christ today. Now meet the Holy Spirit. But instead I went on in futility for 11 years before I finally attended a conference in March of 1980 where the theme of the conference was at a pastor school called Meet the Holy Spirit. And I sat there after 11 years saying, why didn't anybody tell me this the day after I got saved? And uh, I just tried in the flesh. And, and I never met the Holy Spirit till that day I began to have fellowship with Him. And I confessed to Him and said, Holy Spirit, I called Him by name, I talked to Him, and I've continued talking to Him to this day. And it's still hard. With His help, it's still hard. But I said, Holy Spirit, help me. And I'm sorry I haven't talked to you. I'm sorry I've grieved you for 11 years. You've lived inside of me. I've never talked to you once. Forgive me and help me. And I began a communion with the Holy Ghost that day. The Lord said to to His disciples, Look, I'm leaving. Don't do a thing. 
until you're endued with power from on high. Don't do a thing. Don't do a thing. Don't start teaching Sunday school or playing an instrument or singing songs or, you know, working in children's church or the nursery or, or you know, with teenagers or seniors or prisoners or nursing homes. Don't, don't do a thing until you're endued with power from on high. Or otherwise we'll have powerless ministries that basically are fruitless. Back in the Old Testament... God gave a guy named Bezalel all these elaborate plans for the tabernacle. Remember that? You know how to make the the uh, the brazen altar and then the laver and then uh, you had the uh, uh, table of showbread and the the uh, candlestick, the, the the prayer, and then there was the um, uh, altar of incense, and then there was this big, huge, thick curtain that separated the holy place, and then. Inside the holy place was the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat and all that kind of stuff. And then there's all these planks and pinions and boards and, and, and tabernacles and everything. And, you know, and Bezalel was given the orders and, the, and, and wise-hearted men and wise-hearted women helped him build this thing. It was elaborate, amazing. Did you ever read the story, though, where they never, ever used it once? Until. They made up all of this anointing oil by a special formula that was reserved for God that had nothing to do with man. And he said, I want you to pour this oil over everything before you ever use it once. And they poured that oil all over the altar. They poured that oil all over the labor. They poured that oil all over the candlestick. They poured that oil all over the table of showbread. They poured that oil all over the altar of incense. They... uh, uh, Poured that oil all over the curtain uh, that was rent in twain from top to bottom. That's the one. They poured oil all over the mercy seat inside the Holy of Holies. They poured oil all over the Ark of the Covenant. They poured oil all over the poles that they carried the instruments with. They poured oil all over the tent on the outside. Oil everywhere. Now, why would God do that? Is that any kind of a visual aid that he's trying to teach us? Is that any kind of an object lesson that he's trying to teach us? What did that anointing oil represent? It represented the person of the Holy Spirit. And he was saying to them, don't use anything until it's anointed with the Holy Spirit. And these stories are taught in the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament here, Luke 24. And... uh, and yet so many people go on for decades, sometimes decades after they've been saved. Decades and decades and decades. And then when they, they fail and, 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 and they've, they've borne no fruit in their life that has lasted nothing, they finally begin to say, is there anything missing? Did I miss anything? And like me, uh, somebody shows you, yeah, you, you missed the whole point. You missed the Holy Spirit. And uh, in Acts 1 verse 8 says this, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witness. Power comes after. So we're supposed to be strong, but how? In the Lord and in the power of His might. And that's talking about that personal relationship uh, with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. 
I try to teach that often because it did so much for me and has continued to help me. And, and I know that I need a continual filling of the Spirit. It's never a permanent, never ever is it permanent. But this power must come from, we are not going to be strong unless God gives us power. And uh, Psalm 62.11 says that God has spoken once, yea, twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. God is the possessor of power, and he gives it to whoever he will. That's why we have these phrases. Listen to these phrases. These are just phrases. But listen carefully. Matthew 10.1, he gave them power. Matthew 28.18, all power is given unto me. Mark 3.15, and to have power. Mark 6.7, and gave them power. Luke 9.1, and gave them power. Luke 10.19, I give unto you power. Luke 24.49, until you be endued with power from on high. Acts 1.8, ye shall receive power. Acts 4.33, and with great power. Acts 6.8, Stephen, full of faith and power. Acts 10.38, how he anointed Jesus with power. How about that? That's over and over, about a dozen verses where it says, he gave them power. It's got to come from God. It can't come from within. You've got to quit saying, I'm just going to try harder. You will always fail. I went through that. I'm trying to save you from an experience like that. You, you, you can have power, and, and it's just a daily prayer of mine every day on my knees. Oh, God, give me your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your Spirit today. Help me. And, and even with that, sometimes, I, like I say, I just barely make it in this world, in the battle against the world and the flesh and the devil. How do people make it who don't have His power? His power. We get worn out. I mean, if I got a vacuum cleaner out and I just started going like this, <clears throat> all over the church for hours, I wouldn't be accomplishing anything. Somebody would say, Pastor, you're just uh, wearing yourself out. Throwing things around here. <laughs> you're just wearing yourself out. Well, what's the problem? Why don't you plug it in? Get some power. Oh, so I plug it in. There. No, you didn't do anything. You got to turn it on. You got to make the connection for the power to come in to the vacuum player and What'd you do? Man, I vacuumed the whole church today. Wow, you got a lot done. We're going to get things done spiritually. When we get connected to the Holy Spirit and begin to draw power from Him, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. It's like I use the battery illustration sometimes. You vacuum cleaner, flashlight. Uh, I like to say a flashlight, you take it apart. The old ones used to have two D-cell batteries in them, big, huge things. 
One represented Christ coming in your life, one represented the Holy Spirit, and you put it back together. It still doesn't do anything. You don't shine any light. But if you turn it on and you're connected to both, then your light shines. Your light shines. And when you get saved, not only Jesus comes inside you, but the Holy Ghost does. But when you get connected, the light begins to shine from you. And it's inexplainable. But power comes from uh, the Lord. Isaiah 40, verse 31, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Uh, Isaiah 41, verse 10, Fear ye not, fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. I will help thee. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. We keep trying to do what God wants to do for us. I'm just going to try harder. No, you're going to fail more. You're going to fail more, and eventually in frustration and futility, uh, you're going to give up. You're going to give up and say, I tried that, I, I can't. I'll just maybe go through the motions and try to pretend. But uh, Daniel 10.19 says, And said, O man, this is God, the angel speaking to Daniel, O man, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be unto thee, be strong, yea, be strong. And when he had spoken unto me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for thou hast strengthened me. You see, all these verses I got, and I got a bunch more here, Micah 3, 8, Psalm 71, 18, Haggai 2, verse 4, Luke 11, 13, Hebrews 4, 16, 2 Timothy 2.1, that for time's sake, I'm not going to go through, but all of them say the same thing. God puts strength in us. 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 But what do we say after all these verses? I'm just going to try harder. I'm just going to try harder. Oh, no. We need to pray for power. That's why the old timers used to say, pray for power, pray for power, pray for power. Pray to God. God, give me power. God, give me power. Well, a couple more things. I know we have the Lord's Supper tonight. But God gives us strength. It's so simple. And yet, we have not because we ask not. We need to go back to those three-by-five cards the old-timers would have. We'd pray for power, and they'd stick it on the mirror where they shaved, and they'd stick it on the dashboard of their car, and they'd stick it on the refrigerator. just reminded them over and over and over, God, give me power. I'm sliding, I'm slipping, I'm falling, help me. Give me power. And God gives us power. Because He will give us, if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us, and if we know that He hear us, we know we have the petitions we desired of Him. That's the problem. It's definitely God's will that you be a powerful spiritual woman, a powerful spiritual man, and that I be a powerful spiritual Christian too. Let us pray for each other, but pray for yourself. So God gives us strength. Number two, the Bible gives us strength. The Scriptures. We um, saw this morning, too, where Jesus said in Matthew 4.4, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And many times, the Bible has has many, uh, many types, many 
There are many pictures of the Bible. One of them is food. The Bible is food for your soul. And just like we need food for in the physical realm, we need food in the spiritual realm. You've got to keep feeding the spiritual realm. If you have two guys, and this guy's six foot tall and 200 pounds of solid muscle, and this guy's six foot tall and 200 pounds of solid muscle, and you say, we're going to have you guys fight next week, seven days from now, but the difference is you don't get to eat anything between now and then, and you don't drink anything between now and then. Now, when the fight came, who do you think would win the fight that night? Who do, who do you think? This one over here who, who's eating and, and drinking, and this guy's getting weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker by the day. Well, the same thing is true in the spiritual realm, in a way. We've got to feed our souls. On the Word of God, you've got to have a time where every day in your life you feed your soul on the Word of God. You take time and, and read it and meditate on it or, or, or work on some memory verses. Write some of those memory verses out or, or take your <coughs> little uh, <coughs> uh, insert today with you to work and, and just say, I'm going to... And you'll find yourself, if you spend time in the Word of God, you will find yourself getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And uh, getting stronger spiritually than most other believers of your generation who are not feeding on the Word of God every single day. You've got to feed yourself. Even I, I know what fasting's like. I've done some fasting in my life, and sometimes even after one day of fasting, you're weaker physically than you were the day before. Jesus went without food for 40 days, and he was so weak physically that God had to send angels from heaven to the Mount of Temptation after Satan left to strengthen him. So the same truths affected Christ in the physical realm. And the same thing is true about us in the spiritual realm. Some people haven't eaten for 40 days. Spiritually, they're, they're just, they're weak. We need to be continually in the Word of God. Uh, and if you feed yourself regularly on the Word of God, you will get strong. It's one of the answers to the questions, but how? Be strong, but how? Just feed yourself and feed yourself and feed yourself and feed yourself. I don't know anybody today who gets too much Bible. I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody who said, you, know, you say, hey, you know, you need to cool it with that. You're spending too much time in God's Word. You're spending too much time with the God of the Word and the Word of God. And uh, I, don't, I don't know anybody, but, but we need God's Word. And then last of all, uh, another source of strength that I, I try to teach that I'm very careful about in my own life, that I have to work on, is the source of joy. Nehemiah 8.10 says, The joy of the Lord is your strength. We're talking about be strong. But how? By having joy. A stranger doth not intermeddle with his joy. 
Proverbs 14.10. I memorize that verse because I want to remember to intermeddle with my joy because the joy of the Lord is your strength. I, I, I really just respect Jeremiah. I can't wait to meet him. Uh, what that, that poor guy had such a difficult ministry. I mean, it's like, no pun intended, but it's like a Sunday school picnic for pastors nowadays compared to what he went through just before the captivity. Nobody lived. No, nobody listened to him. They threw him in prison a couple times. They threw him in a pit once. They captured him when he was, uh, you know, they thought he was trying to escape and took him down to Egypt and all kinds of stuff. Nobody listened. But he said in Jeremiah fifteen sixteen again a verse I've memorized because it's helped me. He says, "Thy word was found; thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord of hosts." And I look at Jeremiah and I said, "What possibly could have strengthened him to endure what he endured?" And he told us. God's Word gave him joy. God's Word gave him joy. And as a result, uh, he was able to get through that time, the poor guy. Hauled off to Babylon finally. Nobody listened to him. Uh, He saw his king get his eyes punched out and his ten sons were slain in front of him just before he got his eyes punched out and and, 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 and he had warned Zedekiah and that if Zedekiah had just obeyed Jeremiah. I was going through that story recently. Boy, if he had just obeyed Jeremiah and given himself up, he could have gone down to uh, uh, Babylon. He could have had houses there and orchards there and had his ten sons with him. And, and they'd have been in captivity, but God said he was going to help them in captivity and everything, just, just obey him. And he didn't. And I thought, boy, the grief that Jeremiah had to live with. But he had one source of joy in his life, and that was the Word of God. And he ate God's words. Thy words were found, and I did eat them. Thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing my heart. There's not a lot that gives us joy in this world. Um, and especially when you, you have loved ones dying and elections uh, did not go very well and, and the bills figured out a way to lose again and uh, you just, you just uh, the, the weather is snowing and it's cold and it's dark out at 4 o'clock and you're, man, the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Be strong How? jealously guard those things. And I don't have time to go through all the things God gives us that will give us joy. Give us joy, man. I'm, I'm happy as a lark sometime tonight and just uh, seeing what God's doing or going out to the countryside. It just, it, it's just cheered my heart uh, all year long out there and, and things God's doing here and in my life and in others. Um, joy makes anything in life easier. Even the world says if you enjoy your job, you never work a day in your life. Even the world knows that. If a wife has joy in her husband, it's, it's so easy to be married. If a husband has joy in his wife, it's so easy to be married. If, if a pastor has joy, it's so easy to, to, 
to uh, be a pastor. I've, I've, I've talked with a few pastors lately who don't have any joy, and boy, it's just drudgery. They're, it's kind of like going forward with cement boots on your you know, feet because so many things are grieving them. But if they have joy, man, it's like running in the air. Um, so number one, God can put strength. I, I showed you about 20 verses. I don't know if you counted them or not. I showed you about 20 verses that says God can put strength in you. Just believe them. And just say, God, I don't have, please give me strength. Number two, the Bible can give you joy. You know, even the world says, again, knowledge is power. Strength. We're talking about how to be strong. Knowledge is power. It'll make you strong knowing something. If, if we come across a wicked accident... And uh, out in there, a couple people laying just went through the windshield, and they're out there dying and everything. And there's 12 of us standing around not knowing what to do. And some lady comes up and says, I'm a nurse, I'm a nurse, I'm a doctor, I'm a doctor. That knowledge gives them power in that situation to take charge and get through that situation and have a happy ending. You got a breaker that keeps popping at home, and you know, some look in there, sparks everywhere and stuff. And uh, some electrician comes along with knowledge, he has power to take control of the situation, get through it. You know, car breaks down, you're like, oh no, not again, what in the world happened? But a mechanic has knowledge, that knowledge gives him power to resolve the situation peacefully. Oh, it's no problem. Your engine just blew up or something. <laughs> Whatever, but uh, I've had situations where I said, oh, no, and then finally it was just like a little loose hose clamp. You know, but he had the knowledge to look at it or something, or hook a computer up. Oh, yeah, here's your problem. We're going to fix that. No problem. We need this part. And knowledge is power. And boy, when you know the Bible, and you know, prophecy, you say, yeah, I knew that was happening. I knew that was going to happen. Yeah, Jesus said that was going to happen. And you're not going to pieces because you have knowledge. Knowledge. If you're in marriage and you know what the Bible says, well, I know what the Bible says. I'm going to do this and it's going to help my marriage. I know what the Bible says. It's going to help me raise my kids. I know what the Bible says. It's going to help me with my finances. I know what the uh, Bible says. It's going to help me with with, uh, anything I do and Knowledge is power. So number two, the Bible will make you strong. Strong to face anything. If I have health problems, I know what the Bible says to do. It's going to make you strong. Be strong. How? By knowing the Bible. The Bible can strengthen you in every realm of life. And then by being careful with your joy. Oh, my, not a lot out there giving us joy today, is there? Except the Lord, His Word, some fellowship. Boy, some of the brethren are just so sweet. I love coming to church. I love coming here. I love going to countryside. I love going to Hilltop. I had a great time last week. Just the, oh, my, just the brethren. I'm going to love Monday night. Tomorrow night I'll be at Seneca Falls Baptist Church, Brother Fenton, and we'll have fellowship, and that'll just give me joy. And then... Tuesday morning, and and uh, boy, take care of your joy. If you're depressed tonight, if you're down, you need to get alone with God, because I've done this and said, God, I don't feel good. I'm depressed. There's something wrong. Help me. 
Tell me, and I usually don't, but get off my knees, and I've had a revival because of the presence of the Lord.